Okay. Today is the beginning of the Christian calendar year. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, It is the beginning of the new year. Uh, In the Christian pattern of life, in the Christian calendar, uh, it offers us a a different pattern of life than the one we're always used to. Uh, It gives us a different pattern of life to the other calendars that demand our attention and demand uh, uh, our time. And so, in the Christian pattern of life, today marks the beginning of a brand new year. And the, the Christian calendar always begins with this season called Advent. Uh, the word Advent is a Latin word, and it just means uh, coming or arrival. Uh, and that is what we are doing. We are waiting for the arrival of Jesus Christ, uh, Christmas Day. So Advent is a month-long celebration of anticipation. That's what Advent is, a month-long celebration of anticipation. Everything around us is supposed to stir uh, emotions of anticipation and waiting for Jesus's arrival. Uh, like, like Mary behind me. Uh, Mary is pregnant, anticipating the arrival of her son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and just as a side note, this, this space behind me is going to be a rotating uh, art display. So it'll be different at different times of year. And, and what it's meant to do is supposed to help us in our worship to think on things and ponder on things in our heart. And so uh, it, it'll give you something to guide your prayers and gives you something to ponder as we worship. These candles here before us uh, that we light every week give us kind of a a countdown to the Lord's arrival, uh, a visual reminder of our burning anticipation to behold the Lord with our very eyes. We are anticipating Jesus to show up. It's a double meaning. Yes, we're anticipating December 25th, his birth uh, and Christmas, but we're also in our 21st century context, we're anticipating uh, Jesus's second arrival. Uh, But but we do that by celebrating his first arrival. It's, It's the context, it's the image that we have right now. We celebrate the first time Christ showed up as a way of anticipating the second time he shows up. That is what Advent is all about. That's what this next month is all about. Each week comes with a different theme, and these candles represent something that Jesus brings to earth in his arrival, first and second. These are the things we anticipate in Jesus. These things are hope, love, joy, peace, and the white one is for Christmas Day. A world full of hope, Uh, They build on one another until we get to the culmination of the gospel, hope and love and joy and peace. Peace is the culmination, the end result of the gospel. Uh, Peace is the final result, a world full of restored, whole, complete, and redeemed lives that are reconciled back to God. When we say peace, that's what we mean when we say peace. A world reconciled back to God, the culmination of the gospel. Today, we will explore the hope of waiting for the Lord. We aren't going to do things in order of events of the Christmas story. If you want that, then come to the Christmas Eve service. We'll do it in order. But during Advent, during the month, we will uh, look at each of the themes for the week. And we are in the fortunate position to be born in a time where we know 
how this reconciliation of the world back to God comes about, okay? Our anticipation is on this side of the Christmas story. But most of human life, most of the people who have ever lived experienced this anticipation of a redeemed world on the other side of the actual Christmas story. There was a time when no one in the world knew how this would come about. And today we will meet a couple of people who lived right on the edge of before Christmas Day and after Christmas Day. Most of history is full of people who had to wait. Now hope and waiting are cousins of each other. You can wait and not have any hope, but you can't hope and not be waiting for something. Hoping necessitates waiting. If you are hoping in something, you are by definition waiting for something. And so we will be in Luke 2, 25 through 38 today. You can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. There's Bibles in front of you or under you. If you need a Bible, you can take that home. If you want to learn how to use or read a Bible, you can email me and we'll set up a time together. Luke 2, 25 through 38. For context, the story we will read today happens just eight days after Jesus is born. Okay, I, I promise we will read the actual birth story this season, but, but one of the best examples of hope that I find in the overall Christmas narrative actually happens in this text. Uh, we are at the temple in Jerusalem, and the newborn baby Jesus is about to undergo uh, his circumcision ceremony, and he's going to receive his name. He actually, we know his name is going to be Jesus, but he's not officially named Jesus until this eighth day when he's the temple, and he goes through this ceremony with Mary and Joseph. And so uh, he's going to the temple to do that. And as Mary and Joseph and Jesus, the Holy Family, are, are at the temple, they run into two people who are our examples of hope today. We will meet Simeon and Anna, and they will teach us what it means to wait well for the Lord's arrival. Because Christmas teaches us that Jesus shows up. Jesus arrives. He shows up in the world. He shows up in your life. But there's a difference between waiting and waiting well for that arrival. So let's read our text today. It's Luke 2, 25 through 38. I'll be reading from the NRSV this morning, so it might sound a little different uh, from yours this morning. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Uh, This man was righteous and devout but looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God, saying, Met. Excuse me, Master, you are now dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, 
and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and the sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after their marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there fasting and prayer day and night. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So just a few days after Jesus is born, Luke introduces us to two interesting people, uh, Simeon and Anna. They're both looking for something different, but they both find what they're looking for in the child, Jesus. Uh, Simeon is a devout man. Uh, what does that mean? Simeon is eulables. He is pious. He is God-fearing. He is a worshipful man. Uh, Simeon goes to the temple regularly because he's a man that responds to the call of worship in his heart. This is the kind of man Simeon is. He's a worshipful Man, He's a man who worships. And Luke tells us that Simeon is waiting for something specific. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for consolation. Uh, what is consolation? Consolation is the kind of comfort that you offer to somebody after they've gone through a terrible loss. That's what consolation is. And he's not looking for personal consolation. He's looking for the whole nation of Israel to have consolation from God. And we'll get into why he's looking for that here in just a little bit. And he expects to find this in the Messiah that God is sending to earth. And God actually even promised him, uh, you're not going to die until you see this Messiah, this consolation bringer. And so... Uh, then we have Anna, and Anna is a prophet. And this word is not used lightly in the Bible, even in the New Testament. Uh, Luke uh, calls Anna a, a prophet. If you get prophecy wrong, the, the punishment is to be stoned to death. Okay, Prophecy is a big deal. Uh, and the fact that Luke calls Anna a prophet puts her on the same level as other biblical prophets, whether they wrote a book of the Bible or not. Okay? Uh, it means that she is a spokesperson for God. If you want to know what God is doing or what God is saying, you go see Anna because Anna knows. Anna knows. She has the credibility and the authority to speak as if God is speaking. She's not a nobody. She's a spiritual leader in Jerusalem. And Luke says that Anna uh, was praying and fasting in the temple every day because she's also looking for something very specific. She's looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Uh, consolation and redemption. Both Simeon and Anna are waiting for something, and they both find what they're looking for in Jesus. Maybe it's more accurate to say that Simeon and Anna have hope in these things. Therefore, they are waiting for these things to happen. But Simeon and Anna have to wait a long time to see what they have their hope in. They wait a long time. Luke almost goes out of his way to mention that both Simeon and Anna, um, I won't say they're old, but they, are, uh, they have well exceeded the life expectancy of the people around them. Okay? They, are, 
very seasoned people, okay? Uh, after he meets the baby Jesus, Simeon says that the Lord is now dismissing him in peace. God is now giving him permission to leave the room, so to speak. It's a euphemism. Uh, he's seen what was promised to him now, and now he's being dismissed from his life. It, it indicates that he's near the end of his natural life. He waited a long time to see this day, and Luke explicitly says that Anna is 84 years old. So the average life expectancy of somebody in this area in this time is uh, 35 years old, 35. So you could say that Anna has lived two full lives, two full lives, more than two full lives. She has far outlived the people walking around her and worshiping in the temple with her. So in a very real way, Simeon and Anna have waited their whole lives to meet Jesus at the beginning of his life. They're waiting for consolation and redemption. Let's look at consolation and redemption. It seems pretty important to look at it if that's what they're going to wait their whole lives for. So we need to remember that at the time of Jesus' birth, there's a lot to worry about. Uh, The book of Matthew actually gives us some more details. It tells us that just after Jesus was born, King Herod uh, demanded, ordered, that all uh, Jewish boys age two years and under, be executed in Bethlehem. I don't know if you remember that part of the story. It's kind of a dark part of the Christmas story. But he orders that little, little Bethlehem boys, two and older be, be, and younger, be executed because he was afraid that this newborn king that he keeps hearing about is going to take over his throne. So it's, he's trying to protect himself by killing babies. Okay. This is one of those dark, mostly forgotten details. And perhaps hundreds of young Jewish children were executed by Roman soldiers. This was something that may have still been happening in Bethlehem as Joseph and Mary uh, bring Jesus to the temple that day. As soldiers uh, sought out little children, uh, Jesus was being taken to the temple for circumcision. And then uh, the three of them, the Holy Family, actually flee to Egypt to escape execution themselves. Matthew gives us those details. Oftentimes, you, you've probably seen um, th- this, this, this event, by the way, is historically called the Massacre of the Innocents. Massacre of the Innocents. You've probably seen in medieval or old Christian art uh, angels depicted as little babies. This is a, this is a, a a tradition that goes back to the massacre of the innocents. Uh, the Catholic Church actually calls these uh, the first Christian martyrs, little babies being executed. So, uh, very dark time. It had to have been heavy on everybody's minds at the temple. Murdering children in order to stroke the ego of Herod was the political situation of the day as Jesus enters the temple. This is what is going on. Israel was in need of some serious consolation. The kind of comfort you give to someone who just experienced a loss. Everyone knew or had family in Bethlehem. They knew somebody. It may have been this exact way that Simeon and Anna immediately recognized Jesus because it would have been rare or very dangerous for infant boys to be at the temple at the time. I can't imagine the terrible sorrow of loss the Israelites fell for the people, felt for the people of Bethlehem. 
families and friends uh, had their babies taken. They, uh, they were a people in desperate need of consolation. So Simeon, in his wisdom, in his ripe old age, discovered a visceral comfort that day. He found that comfort in a baby boy that made it out of Bethlehem. So somehow, God saved this little boy. You know Jesus' name, Jesus, Yeshua, means God's salvation. That's what that means. Jesus saves the world, but he was also saved from Herod's evil massacre. God brought the then Jesus to Simeon, and he recognized him instantly as the Messiah because Jesus' mere existence that he came out of Bethlehem brings comfort and consolation of salvation. Simeon is inwardly rejoicing and thinking, if this baby can make it out of Bethlehem, then maybe we all can make it out, right? And Simeon sees a pathway forward for his people, and God gently dismisses him from his earthly life. The promise of consolation is fulfilled, and Simeon no longer needs to wait. And then we have Anna, the prophet. She's fasted day and night in the temple since her husband died more than a whole lifetime ago. And Anna's life is a steady life of prayer and devotion to God. And it really, her life really puts into perspective our desires that come up in our own life, right? Decades of fasting and prayer have given her the desire to see Jerusalem redeemed. Uh, she has an ache in her heart uh, to see righteousness return to God's city. Jerusalem in the time of Anna is not the Jerusalem that she grew up in. Okay, King Herod has changed things. King Herod appoints false priests to be over the temple. Uh, they, they use the Lord's name in vain. What does that mean? It means that uh, they use God as a means for their own power and position over people. That's what it means to use the Lord's name in vain, using God for your own benefit. And so Herod places these, uh, these people over the temple who use the Lord's name in vain. They aren't interested in worship. They're interested in having a title. And so the center of worship in the world needs to be redeemed. It needs holiness again. It needs the presence of God again, not people interested in just themselves. And then all of a sudden, a little baby passes by. Anna has been in such close communion with God for so many years that she instantly recognizes when God comes back to the temple in the form of an infant. At long last, her waiting and waiting and waiting has been realized. God finally has come to redeem this place, the center of worship in the world. Anna sees the end in sight. She's a prophet. Remember, her her close relationship with God gives her a a clarity in her spirit uh, to know the culmination of God's plans to redeem. You and I are waiting on this same hope that God will redeem the whole world and reconcile everyone and everything back to himself with shalom and and it reigning supreme. And Anna immediately recognizes the redemption of her people in the baby that passes by. And she begins to tell everyone 
that her prophecies of a redeemed Jerusalem have finally been realized. If you're looking for redemption, you now have something to look at. You can go look at this baby Jesus. The promise of redemption is fulfilled. God is in the temple again, and Anna no longer has to wait. There are two parts to this message. There is an easy part, and there's a part that's more difficult. The easy part of this message is Jesus shows up. Jesus arrives. Uh, Jesus is faithful. He is faithful to you. He is faithful to the world that he created. He's faithful as a friend. He's faithful as a brother. He's faithful as your savior. Uh, Jesus never fails to arrive. He arrived as a baby. He lived among us. As Eugene Peterson said, God moved into the neighborhood and he lived and breathed and he died for you and me and he lives and breathes again and he's going to arrive another time. But he's also arriving for you. He loves you, and he created you, and he crafted you personally. He loves you. He shows up in our lives, oftentimes when we least expect it. I bet almost everybody in here has a story of a time when Jesus unexpectedly showed up in their life. Jesus shows up. That's an easy message to preach, Jesus' faithfulness to us. The harder message is in the waiting for that to happen. Not that waiting is itself hard. In some ways, waiting is actually, it can be easy, uh, like a crock pot. You just kind of set it and forget it until it's time, right? Uh, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, it, it makes waiting a lot easier if you're not actively anticipating something. You see, there's a difference between waiting and waiting well, and the difference is anticipation hoping in something, specifically in Jesus's arrival, first, second, or personal. Simeon and Anna show us exactly what it means to wait well for the Lord's arrival in your life. They didn't just set it and forget it. Simeon and Anna have put their hope in the Lord's arrival, and they've put it at the forefront of their lives for decades. Yes, they've waited patiently, but they weren't just sitting around waiting for God to do something. They they were actively anticipating, anticipating. They worshiped, they fasted, they prayed, they prophesied, actively seeking the Lord's arrival. When we aren't hoping, actively anticipating the Lord's arrival, we end up being surprised at how good God is. And I don't mean that in a good way. Um, We are surprised when Jesus shows up because he catches us off guard. Like when a guest shows up a little too early, right? Um, Sure, it's good that they came, but I haven't cleaned the kitchen. Uh, The sheets on the guest bed aren't done, and uh, I haven't started dinner yet, and the lawn isn't mowed, and the doorbell woke the baby up. That's what it looks like when you arrive early at my house, okay? Because I'm not ready to receive my guest when they arrive. Waiting well for the Lord's arrival in your life means not being caught off guard when he does arrive, but preparing to receive him when he does. Simeon and Anna are what we get when we wait well for the Lord's arrival. They show us what waiting well does for us when Jesus shows up. Rather than being unprepared, 
When Jesus arrives, we can take comfort in the hope that not just the whole world, but I too can be saved from evil. Rather than being unprepared and unmoved when Jesus arrives, we too can be amazed and excited and announce to the world that the center of worship, not just in the world, but also in our hearts, have been redeemed by Jesus placing himself at the center of it. Simeon and Anna, they, they remember, they live on the edge of the, of the Christmas story. They never heard a gospel presentation. They've never heard the gospel before. But because they waited well for the Lord's arrival, they were instantly able to recognize it when it suddenly showed up in their life. Let's pray together, and then we will uh, participate in communion. Lord, we come before you today, and we say that we are actively anticipating your arrival, first, second, and personal. We say that uh, we are, we're sorry for the times that we've said it and forget it. We're sorry for the times we haven't kept you on the tip of our tongue, kept you on the edge of our hearts. Father, reveal to us your son Jesus and all the things that he brings to earth with him. Help us to anticipate actively what those things mean for the world and for me. Bless us and keep us. Make your face shine upon us. And Father, we just ask for your revelation today. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, amen. We're going to participate in communion. So if you're watching online, now's the time to get out the elements for yourself and participate in communion with us.